So, great to be back with you guys. I missed, I missed the family. We had a great time. It was warm. It was sunny. We were in Thailand, for those of you that don't know. And it was really interesting because Thailand has Thai people, right? But the place where we were and the whole beach where we were hanging out for a couple of weeks was Russian, Eastern European. I mean, it was just all Eastern European people. So we were hearing, you know, Russian with a few Germans and a couple loved it when the Canadians spoke up and we could actually hear some Canadian, you know, some English. So that was great. Um, But we had a really, really good time. I'm a little jet-lagged, so I cannot take responsibility for anything I say this morning. Uh, I went to bed at 9 last night, and I woke up at 12.30. So I've been up since 12.30 uh, this morning with a brief nap, like a 20-minute nap at about 6.15. So, uh, But I'm feeling good, you know, but but really, you know, I may, I don't hold anything against me this morning, what I say. I want to thank Matt Bateman, especially uh, for preaching hard and doing a great job kicking off this new series that we're in. And of course, I was thinking this morning as I was home, I was just thinking about all the volunteers. You know, church, what we do here doesn't miss a beat when I leave. You know, everybody does their part. Everybody does it so well. And I just appreciate a church that is filled with volunteers that week after week after week uh, do what God has called them to do and the ministry goes on. It's pretty awesome. So thanks to Matt for kicking off the series. And this series is called Why? And in this series, we're committed to uh, freeing ourselves up to ask God the hard questions about the difficult things in life that we face, things that Habakkuk was not afraid to ask. You know, if you read the book of Habakkuk, which I hope that you are as we go through this series, it's really a conversation. It's a conversation with God that somebody wrote down. And we have the, uh, the opportunity to read this conversation. Habakkuk called it a masa. That's what he called it, or an oracle. And what this word really means in Hebrew is it means burden. So the conversation Habakkuk was having with God, he called a burden. And this word burden or masa is tied to a verb which means to be lifted up. And so this book of Habakkuk really, if, if it had a title, it would be the burden to be lifted up. That's what Habakkuk would call this book. So let me be Captain Obvious for just a moment this morning and just say life comes with burdens. Would somebody say amen? Amen. Is that true, that life comes with burdens? How many of you would say you've ever had a burden in your life? You've dealt with something difficult. I would guess half the room or more are probably dealing with a difficult burden right now. You know, burdens are the things, I think, that drive us to God. I can look back over my life and I can tell you the things that have driven me to God, the times in my life that I've been driven to God by the burdens that I've had, and I've lifted them up to Him, the masa in my life. I've lifted them up to God. And God wants us to do that. And God wants us to come to Him with the hard questions that we all have when we go through times in life that we don't understand. We don't know why. We don't know where He is. We don't know what He's doing God wants us to lift those burdens to Him. And that's number one in your notes today. That in fact, I need to lift my burdens to God and He can handle my hard questions. If you ever wondered if it's okay to ask God hard questions, let me tell you and let me say the Word of God makes it clear that it's okay. You know, Habakkuk, in this this, um, oracle that he gives us, he had a burden. And his burden was God's people, the people of Judah. They were a mess. They were fighting with each other. They were anything but a unified people of God. 
They were in terrible condition. They were not thriving in life. And so Habakkuk was feeling such sorrow for his people, the people of God. It was a burden for him. You know, maybe there's somebody in your life this morning, as you sit here today, and you would say, there's somebody in my life that is not thriving. Maybe it's you. Maybe you feel like you're not thriving in life. But maybe you have a loved one this morning that you just feel like they're not thriving. And I want to say to you today that God wants you to lift that person up to Him. And, and that can be a burden for you. Not that they're a burden, but, but what they're going through, the condition of their life can be a burden for you. And so God wants you to lift that burden of that person that you love up to Him. You know, as I've read through the book of Habakkuk several times now, I find that I really, really connect with Him. I really connect with Him. I have burdens in my life, like you. There's things in my life that are hard. Usually it's, it's people. You know, and again, people are not the burden, but, but what you go through, what you face, the conditions of your life sometimes are burdensome. And, and like you, I, I carry those burdens. I was just thinking about what's happened just in the last month. And let me just mention a few things. You know, Janie lost her husband, Gerald. That's a burden for her, for all of us. Taryn ended up in Harborview with a brain bleed out of nowhere. One day she's fine. The next day she's down in Harborview. Just this past week, Amanda Lore lost her dad suddenly out of nowhere. Just had a heart attack at a, at a very young age. Pastor Steve Scroggins has been in the hospital this past week with open heart surgery. He's home now, so that's great. But still, what a burden. What a thing to go through, right? And our own dear Mary Lou Fisher, who we love so dearly, one of my favorite people in the whole church. Her health has just been going downhill very, very rapidly over the last few weeks. These are burdens. And many, many people deal with these kinds of issues in our church. I think about, you know, one couple that I think about is Truman and Anna Van Dalen. And here's a picture of them. You know, they have little olive in their life. There's a little olive. We've prayed for her. She's about a year, a little over a year old now. If you can see coming out of her throat area is a, a trach. And so she has to have eyes on her 24 hours a day. They have to watch her. They have to have somebody watch her 24-7, even when she sleeps. And again, it's not all of that's the burden, but that's burdensome, wouldn't you say? Like you can't rest. Every moment of every day, they have to watch to make sure that she doesn't choke. That's the burden that they're dealing with right now. And many, many, many other people in our church right now have burdens. I've got burdens just like you do. You know, uh, I've shared on many occasions that as a child I grew up in a home with a father who had a condition in his brain called bipolar condition. And it was hard. But even as a child, I learned to lift that to the Lord, to bring it to Him. It was difficult. And now we've known for about eight years that our own son struggles with the same condition. It's been passed to him from his grandpa. And he goes through times where he's on top of the world and then times where he slides into such deep depression that at times he doesn't even want to live. And you know, it's very, very hard for a mom and a dad to watch their child, like we do, struggle so severely with something that impacts him so deeply. It's hard. It's a burden. And and we're constantly lifting this up to the Lord. You know, the last bout that he had with depression resulted in some choices 
that landed him in jail. And so now we have the burden of watching him as he struggles with the consequences of the choices he made while he was in this state of depression. And it's hard. It's difficult. We cry out to the Lord, God, how long? We cry out to the Lord, God, when will you save? When will you change? When will you heal? We ask those same questions that you do and that Habakkuk did. Habakkuk cried out this way, How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere, I cry, but you do not come to save. Habakkuk is asking God the hard questions. And I want to encourage you this morning that I believe that the Bible gives us permission to ask those questions as well. God, I feel hopeless. God, where are you? God, why don't you come to save? Why don't you come to heal? Don't you see what we're going through here? God, I can't take any more. You know, David wrote a whole book called Psalms that was filled with these questions. Here's just one. Oh, Lord, how long will this go on? Will you hide yourself forever? And so one of the reasons that we wanted to have this series is is just to say and to validate that it's okay to be honest about what you're going through. Because when you're honest about what you're going through, then you can invite God to be a part. You can lift it up to Him. And you can invite the people that you're close to to enter in and to be a part of what it is you're struggling with. You know, I like to say that if you're breathing, you have burdens. You know, that's just kind of the way it is, right? And we lift those burdens to God. And sometimes it seems like maybe He's not listening or maybe He's not answering. That's how it feels sometimes. He's not doing what we want him to do. He's not responding the way we want him to respond. And I think for me, just let me speak for me today. I think when I'm at that place, I think that part of my problem is that I have my idea of what God should be doing. I have my idea of what salvation looks like in that moment. I have my idea of what healing might look like in that moment. But something that helps me with my burdens, and I just want to be honest with you this morning, this is honestly where I go and what I do with my burdens. What helps me is acknowledging that God is at work even if I can't see what He's doing. That is so helpful for me, you guys. That God is at work even when I can't see what He's doing. I believe that with all my heart. And that helps me through a lot of difficult times. You know, my problem is, like you, when I pray, I I usually just want relief, right? I want a fix. I want God to take care of it right away. But, But God is not usually about quick fixes. Have you figured that out? Like, God's not a microwave God. He's more of a slow cooker God. He is. God wants all the flavors to come out of the problems in our life, right? God is often doing a deeper eternal work that maybe we can't see he's he's always about bringing our hearts into deeper dependence he's always about bringing our hearts into deeper dependence on him and sometimes the only way that happens is to walk through the valleys heart changes take time heart changes involve painful process of watching ourselves and watching the people we love struggle Struggle until we come into dependence, a 
upon God. Struggle until we learn to trust Him and believe that He's good, even when life is hard. But the result of God's work is always worth it, and that is living in a relationship with Him that is deep, that is real, that is authentic, that is a face-to-face relationship with God. That's how God wants us to be with Him. So here's what I want to say to you this morning. Even though the burden is heavy, and even though it's hard, it's so important for us to look beyond the problem. Look beyond the problem. That's number two today. Look and see what God is doing, because God is always at work. Look and see. Look beyond the problem that you have in your life, and see what God is doing. He's always at work. This is God's answer to Habakkuk, and it's his answer to us when we ask him the hard questions. God says to Habakkuk, look and see, look among the nations, wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work. Would you say that with me this morning? I am doing a work in your day that you would not believe if you were told. Here's what I want to say to you today, and I say this, I preach this to myself, folks. I do. Here's what I want to say God says, look and see. I am doing a work that you would not even believe if you were told. And I'm doing it in the dark places. I'm doing it in the hearts of men and women and boys and girls. You know, one of the things that's really helped me to make it through the burdensome times of my life is to acknowledge that God is at work in these circumstances. You know, whenever we ask God the hard questions like why and and where are you and and what are you doing, I think this is always a part of his answer. I think you can assume this is a part of God's answer. Look and see what I am doing. You wouldn't even believe it if you were told. We need to look and see what God's doing in the dark, in the hearts, in the deep places, in the souls, in the depths of people's being where we cannot see. What is God doing in our own hearts as we struggle with our burdens? And then we need to listen to what God is saying. You know, oftentimes I think we we ask these hard questions, and oftentimes we're angry or we're discouraged, and so we ask these hard questions, and then we walk away. And we don't even give God a chance to answer the questions. So I think if we're going to ask the questions, then we should listen to what God has to say. Right? In response to those hard questions that we ask. Habakkuk was looking for God to fix this problem. That's what he wanted, like us. But God knew that Judah's hearts were far from him. So his response was, no, it's going to take a little bit longer than what you would like, Habakkuk. I'm going to do things a lot differently than what you would have thought. In fact, God said, I'm going to raise up the Babylonians. And they're going to come and they're going to, through the pain that they inflict, they're going to drive you to me. And once once again, Judah's heart will belong to me. And again, I believe that's what God is always after. He's always after our hearts. God says, things are going to be uncomfortable for a little while. Judah or Kurt or Don or anybody else in the room. Things are going to be uncomfortable For a little while. I'm doing a deeper work than fixing your problem. I'm going to let you sit a little while. Because I want your heart. And in Judah's case, God says, I'm going to use your worst enemies. 
to bring you to the place that you trust me and you depend on me fully again. But if you'll listen to me, if you'll look for me, if you'll look for what I'm doing, I will give you the encouragement that you need to make it through. I will give you the guidance that you need to make it through. How many of you know that when you have a burden, that what you need the most is you need guidance and encouragement from the Lord to make it through the time that may not get fixed at the speed you want it to get fixed? And that's number three in your notes today. And I want to spend most of our time right here. I want to give you some practical solutions to what to do while you're waiting for the answers. Number three, when you ask God the hard questions, we need to listen to God for guidance and encouragement. You know, David said in Psalm 78, Oh, my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I'm saying. Seven times in Revelation... John says, anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. So how do we listen? How do we really receive what God is saying when we're going through times of trouble? Well, I think that the main way to listen to God is still through daily conversation that we have with Him. We call it prayer. You know, from 1230 until I came to work this morning, I worked on my message a little bit, but several hours were spent just communing with the Holy Spirit, just spending time with Him, just just praying and listening. And I can't tell you I received any big, huge, you know, thing from Him this morning, but I will tell you that my soul benefited from spending time with Him and just communing with Him. Frederick Buchner, he's a notable writer, and he said he said it like this. He said, "Listen to your life." All moments are key moments. I would rather say, listen to what God says through your life. All moments are key moments. You know, God uses life to speak to us. God uses the experiences that we go through in life to speak to us. You know, when we were in Thailand last week, we rented a scooter, uh, much to my wife's chagrin. This is a, a pretty accurate picture of what it looks like when you're driving a scooter. So don't worry about the lines. Just go wherever you want. And that's what everybody does. So I rented this scooter, and and we rented just one. So Gwen was on the back. And uh, how many of you know that's got to be terrifying? To be on the back of a scooter. That's at a a stoplight. That's at a stoplight. Now, where we were, it never got this bad, but that's in Bangkok. So that's typical Asia scooter riding right there. How many of you know it's terrifying to be out of control and on the back behind somebody, especially somebody like me? You know, I'm not the most attentive driver in the world. And by the way, you're driving on the wrong side of the road, the left side. So roundabouts, stay left. Uh, You don't get free rights in the left turn lane. If you're going to turn right, you have to go over to the center line in the middle of traffic. And cars coming, you know, behind you and past you, scooters coming past you with your blinker on, on this little scooter until you get a a chance to turn right, you know. So my wife felt very, very vulnerable riding behind me on this scooter. Uh, She was literally, literally, she was putting her life in my hands. And there were several times that I'm sure we could have been at least hit, if not killed. And the whole time we were in the most, the, the, the biggest part of the traffic, I heard Gwen's voice in my ear, literally. Gwen's voice in my ear saying things like this, and I quote, Stay left. Stay left. 
Stay left. <laughs> no, we can't get through there. And then at one point there was a U-turn sign with an X across it. And I U-turned anyway, you know, because everybody else was doing it. All the scooters were just ignoring the signs. And I thought, we got to get through here somehow, right? And then finally she would say something like, you're doing great, honey. You're doing great, honey. You know, lighten it up a little bit. But, but literally, her voice in my ear to just remind me how to drive and how to do the great things. And there was a time where that would have been annoying to me. There was a time when that would have kind of ticked me off. Why are you telling me what to do? But I have to tell you now at my age, I value my wife's voice. And I know my weaknesses in driving. And I know there's sometimes I just miss the obvious things. And by the way, you know, the decisions that I'm making are putting her life in danger. So I think she has every right, don't you, to speak into my ear as I'm making decisions that could cost her the use of her limbs or her very life, right, avoiding collisions. And life with God is like that. Life with God is almost exactly like that. You know, we're making hundreds of decisions every day. We're, you know, we're taking in information and we're deciding what to do and what to say. And every decision has some sort of outcome, doesn't it? We're turning right. We're turning left. We're deciding to stop. We're breaking rules. And so when we're trying to find our way through the noise and the chaos of a construction zone of life, it's not familiar. We've never been there before and we're driving on the wrong side of the street. God says, listen, listen to my voice. I'm going to give you some direction. I'm going to tell you which way to turn. I'm going to keep you safe. That's what God is saying to us. David said it like this in Psalm 46. He said, be still and know that I am God. How many of you, got, how many of you people take time to just be still and know that he is God? Intentional time with him, just in his presence, like I did this morning, being still. You know, there's something I love about jet lag, and it messes up my, my schedule so that I'm up early. But, but what that does is that puts me in these times with God that, that normally I don't maybe have as much of. And so in a weird kind of sense, I kind of like being jet lagged. And God says to us, be still, take time to listen to me. You know, we ask the hard questions, but then we don't listen for the answers. And we just go on and, and react the way that we want to react. And we make people pay with the way that we react in life. And I would say to you today, and I would say to me today, doesn't God deserve our listening? And when you think about who He is and what He's done for us, forgiven our sin, made us right with Him, got a home waiting in eternity because of what God has done for us, doesn't He deserve for us to listen to Him? And I hope that's convicting to you as well as to me today, that that God deserves some time every day for us to listen to Him. Hasn't He done what it takes to deserve our attention? You know, listening is a spiritual discipline. We've got to develop this. It's something that takes hard work because we're so busy and life is so noisy. We don't want to slow down long enough to listen. And listening is a spiritual discipline that I would say is very, very, very important in our walk with Christ. So how do I listen to God? 
And what does God sound like? You know, if we read your Bible, the Bible gives hundreds and hundreds of examples of the different ways that God speaks. And Mark Batterson wrote a great book. I really recommend it to you. It's called Whisper. Batterson's a pastor in um, in uh, uh, Washington, D.C. So he's a pastor there, and he wrote a great book called Whisper. And in this book, he talks about the eight ways, the eight main ways that God speaks and that he still speaks today. So I want to take those, take you through those this morning, and they're in your program. And of course he speaks through his word. We know he speaks through his word, right? And that's the number one way that we can find out who God is and his nature and his values and what God wants, how God thinks. Through his word, we can count on his word to be accurate, right? And everything else that we hear through these next seven ways, we need to check against God's word and against his nature and against what we know about God, okay? So God speaks to us primarily through his word. But then God also speaks to us through signs. And he did that with the shepherds. That's one great example. When he said, this will be a sign to you. Remember, you'll find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. You're going to know who this is because of this sign. And God gives us signs or signposts today that remind us that he's with us and that he's guiding us. God also speaks to us through our desires, through the heart passions. You know, when we do the shape seminar, Ramona did it up at Kendall this weekend, had a great turnout. And when we do the shape seminar, one of those, uh, the H of shape is heart passions. And God guides us into meaningful ministry in our life through the heart passions that he's given us and through the different life experiences that we've had. God guides us. He speaks to us through our desires. And then God also, God also speaks to us through life's doors. There's doors in life that open and there's doors in life that close. I'm here today with you because of doors that opened. I'm not in other places today because of doors that closed. And you have to be listening and watching for the doors that God has for you to walk through or not walk through in life. And this is biblical. In Acts chapter 16, there's one example God closed the door for Paul to preach in Asia, and then he opened the door. He actually gave Paul a vision of a Macedonian guy saying, come on over to Macedonia, we need you. And so God opened the door for Paul to go to Macedonia. Just one example. So watch God. Watch for God opening and closing doors in your life. Be discerning about this and always measure it against his word. God speaks through dreams all through the Bible. Some of the major work that God did, he did through dreams. And God still speaks through dreams today. In fact, in the book of Acts, God predicts in the last days that I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And I love this part. Your old men, that's me. Your old men will dream dreams. God speaks to us through dreams. Again, always measure those dreams against his word. Uh, just a question, why does God use dreams? Well, I think it's because it's the only time that we're quiet. It's the only time that there's no competing voices. It's the only time that, that, you know, we can hear Him clearly and nobody else is vying for our attention, right? We're asleep. So God shows up with a dream. I've had some significant dreams in my life. But this also says that God's going to pour out His Spirit and sons and daughters are going to prophesy. God speaks through people. 
And we're a church that believes that God speaks through people. We're a church that I hope that every single one of us is trying to hear the Lord so that you have something significant from him to say to somebody else. It's called prophecy. And Paul said, everybody should seek to prophesy. Everybody in the church should be encouragers. And that's what prophecy does. It encourages, it comforts, it exhorts. And so God uses people to speak to people. Do you know that I am here as pastor because, partly because of a confirmation that came through a person? You know, Pastor Kim was after me for three years to try to get me to say yes to this position. And I kept saying no. I was a worship leader. I was always going to be a worship leader and a you know, marriage guy, family guy, right? I was always going to be the number two. Well, one day I was leading worship in Everson. And this woman who I respect and is a part of our church, been with us for years, came up to me after the service. And this is right in the time that Kim, you know, the last time that Kim was after me to say yes. And he said, Kurt, this is the last time I'm going to ask you, Right? So I was processing that with my wife, and this woman comes up to me. She says, Kurt, I don't know what this means. I don't know what this means, she said. I love it when people start with that, you know? They don't have to know what it means. And she said to me, when you were leading worship, I saw you, just in my mind's eye, I saw you as a fruit tree. And people were coming to you, and they were picking your fruit, and they were enjoying the fruit of your tree. And she said, then the vision changed. And I saw you as a wheat field. And people were coming and they were picking the wheat and they were making bread. And they were eating of the bread of the wheat field that was you. And she said, I don't know what that means. I said, I know exactly what that means. I mean, just like that. I knew. I know exactly what that means. And I want you to understand that that wasn't what caused me to become the lead pastor at North County. But that was a confirmation in the struggle that I was having with whether to say yes. Because clearly to me, becoming a wheat field and serving bread was the word of God, right? It was the word of God. And so I said yes. I said yes. And that prophecy that that woman gave me, and she had no idea, no idea the significance but she, she said yes to Jesus to share that with me. She risked in order to share, share with me what she had seen. And that's the kind of church that we are. We want to speak those words of confirmation to one another, words that bring life to one another, words that confirm in our lives what God is doing. And again, always check it against His Word, right? Always check it against His Word. Don't do something that goes against His nature or His character or His values. Check it against his word, right? So there's prophecy and then there's promptings. You know that gentle nudge from the Holy Spirit? Do you ever get that? Like maybe he brings somebody to your mind and then you have to decide, should I call them? Should I email them? Should I stop by and visit them? You know, I had that happen with Gerald and Janie a few weeks ago when, you know, I saw Gerald and I thought, okay, he's going to be with us for several weeks. And I got up the next day And the Holy Spirit nudged me, I think, and said, go see Gerald. I'm like, well, I just saw Gerald. No, go see Gerald. And I had an appointment at 3 o'clock that day, and the guy never showed up. So I gave him until 3.20. I went out to my truck, and I went to see Gerald. 
spent some time with him and Janie, got to just, you know, pray salvation over him. He, of course, he's saved, but just to reaffirm that over him and just pray with them. Had a rich time. Gerald died the next morning. You know, and those are promptings. Those are nudgings from the Holy Spirit that you want to pay attention to because God is speaking. Are you listening? God wants to use you to be a blessing to somebody or to, to speak into somebody's life. Will you let him use you? And then the last thing is pain. God uses pain in our lives like, I think, nothing else. And I've read this quote probably a dozen times here at our church from C.S. Lewis. And most of you know it by heart by now. God whispers to us in our pleasure. He speaks in our conscience. But he shouts in our pain. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. You know, I've never been closer to God than when I'm in pain. Be it physical or be it emotional. I have significant pain in my life right now when I go to the jail on Saturday morning and have to spend an hour on the phone with a glass between myself and my son. (laughs) The one who I love. The one who we raised well. But because he has this condition, now he finds himself in jail. And that's, that's hard for me. That's a burden for me. That that brings me close to God. You know, I, I pray a lot more because of where my son is. It's hard, but it's good. And at the same time, I look beyond the problem and I say, God, what are you doing? What are you doing in his life? What are you doing in my life? What are you producing in us that wouldn't have been produced? without this burden in our life. You know, in Joshua 3, God God says, I'm always speaking. You know, are you listening? And in Joshua 3, Joshua told the Israelites, come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Today you will know that the living God is among you. And that's the point. Listening to God has a lot less to, to do with fixing problems and a lot more to do with knowing He's among you. That's what God wants to produce through our listening to Him. That's God's desire for us. Not that He removes all of our burdens every time we draw close to Him, but that we discover that He is living among us. He is with us. That's what God wants us to discover. You know, we experience the presence of God by coming and listening. That's what happened to Habakkuk. Habakkuk said, I will climb up to my watchtower. I will stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. Now, as we close out today, I want to just give you three W's that I just feel are super important. And they're right here in the scripture that, that Habakkuk gives us. And the first one is to watch. To watch. Watch and see what God is doing. Habakkuk had a watchtower. I think every single one of us should have a watchtower. What do you think? We should have a watchtower. I have a watchtower. Do you know what it is? It's my easy chair. That's my watchtower. If you were to have come come to my house this morning, you would have found me in my office in this big old leather chair that I have. That's where when I want solitude, I get away to that chair. It's a watchtower. It's a place that is away from the noise of life. 
away from the mainstream of life. It's a place to come and listen. It's a place to come and watch and see what God is doing and to see how He will answer. You see, again, I think we're great at the questions, and God is great with the questions. I don't think He holds any of that against us. But often we don't really want to watch for His answer. We just want Him to fix it. And God says, use the watchtower. Look and see what I am doing. Seek me. So for me, the watchtower is an active listening place. It's a place where I go to hear God. It's a place where I go to spend time with Him. It's a place where I go to process life, to process the challenges that I'm facing, to look to God for His perspective. Yes, God, I want you to fix this, but what's your perspective? What's your perspective, God? Can I think like you? Can I ask the question, God, what are you up to in the midst of all this stuff? What are you up to? So the watchtower, it's a dedicated time of being with him, being in his word, listening for his voice and how he wants to speak to you. I think everybody needs a watchtower in their life, a dedicated place to hear God. And then secondly, listening involves waiting. That's your second W, waiting, waiting on him. We need to wait for God. God doesn't answer quick. Rarely does he answer quick. Anybody ever had God answer quick? I've never had God answer quick. You know, it's like He takes His time. And there's something about the waiting that produces good, good things in us. Psalm 27, 14 says, Wait patiently for the Lord. I think patience, I think waiting produces patience in us. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. I think when we wait, we have to become courageous. We have to let God do a work in us. Psalm 130 says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in His Word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. I think when we wait for the Lord, we make room for hope in our lives. We don't just, you know, go about trying to fix it ourselves. But we make room, we create space for hope in our life. When we wait for the Lord. It's excruciating. But God produces hope in our life while we wait. And then the third part to listening might seem kind of odd to you, might seem counterintuitive. But one of the great ways to listen is to write. To write. You know, we've lost the art of writing. I can't even read most people's writing today. It used to be just doctors. Now it's everybody. You can't read what we write. Why? Because we're out of practice. And I want to tell you today that a very important part of listening is writing. Habakkuk said, Then the Lord said to me, Write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. I believe that writing helps us arrive at the right conclusion. And there's reasons for that. You know, Chuck Swindoll said, My thoughts become clearer on their way. From my head to my pen. And thoughts have a way of becoming clearer as we write things out, as we journal. Writing clarifies your thoughts. You might think this is a a small, crazy thing for Pastor Kurt to be sharing this morning. I'm telling you, writing and journaling is so important in my life. One of the things I do sometimes is I go back and look at my journals to see where I was and to see where God has brought me. 
from where I was. But writing also helps you to process your thoughts. I couldn't recommend it more highly. You watch, you wait, and then you write down what you think you've heard. How many of you know we're not perfect in our hearing, right? And so writing helps us to process what we've heard. It helps you to listen better as you write it down. So keep a notebook, keep a journal. You know, I've got probably half a dozen or a dozen journals laying around in different drawers and places of, of my house. Uh, I trust my wife a lot, you know. So, um, But I got a new one this year. It's called the five-year uh, the five year memory book, one line a day. This is a great journal for men. You know, women tend to write novels, but men tend to write a line or two. So what this is, is every day of the year, there's five spaces, one for each year. So you get about four lines, five lines to write a few thoughts about that year. And then at the end of five years, you can compare all five years at a glance for that day. Pretty cool, huh? So I'm going to give this a try and see how that goes. I I tend to want to write more, but I I just wanted to try this one. Room for a few thoughts, room for a little bit of processing, room to write down what you think God is saying. I recommend highly that you do this. And don't worry about it being perfect. Don't worry about it being politically correct. You know what I mean? Just write it down. You know, what you hear every week in in the way of my sermons or any podcast that you listen to online, any pastors, preachers, is a result of writing. That's what it is. I write everything out. Most pastors and teachers write everything out. You know, they process that way. And so I believe that the most effective way to listen to God is to have a watchtower, to have a place that you watch for Him and a place that you wait in His presence and then a place where you write down what you think you've heard and process what you believe that God has said to you. I know that what I've brought you this morning is so practical. And some of you are here today and you're going, yep, I have not done that for a long time. And I believe God is calling you back to that communion place with Him where He wants to commune with you and to speak to you and have you listen to Him. For some of you, this is news. You didn't know that you could have a watchtower. You didn't know that you could have a place where you can listen to God. You didn't know that you were supposed to listen to God. Some people thought that's the pastor's job. He listens to God for all of us. No. No, you are your own moral agent. You get to listen to God for yourself. And so to do that well, you've got to have a place to do that. And the last thing I want to say this morning before I want to pray for you is that to be a great listener of God, you must have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You must have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You know, we receive Christ into our hearts. He's our Savior, right? And then He releases the Holy Spirit or invests the Holy Spirit in us. And so the Holy Spirit lives in us if you've received Christ. And the best way to listen to God is to have a great relationship with the Holy Spirit. Let me me just read you what Paul said in uh, 1 Corinthians 2.10. He said, The Holy Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. So if you want to hear God, if you want to hear what God is saying, if you want to listen to Him accurately, you need a relationship with the Holy Spirit. How do you do that? Just talk to Him. He's a person. He lives in you. Just talk to Him. Just have ongoing conversation with Him. And then have those times in your watchtower where you really seek Him and allow Him 
to speak to you and, and to reveal things about your burdens, about your situations, to give you his perspective. Because I think that's what God wants to do. So would you stand with me this morning? Worship team is going to come. What I want to do is give you an opportunity this morning. Are you with me? Okay. This is very important. I want to give you an opportunity this morning to invite the Holy Spirit to a deeper relationship with you. Okay. He's there for you to do that. It involves you saying, I want to open open up my heart and my life to more of you. I want to open up more of myself, okay, to the Holy Spirit. So if you want to do that this morning, let this be your launching pad today, okay? Let this be your launching pad. I'm going to pray for you if you're willing. If you want a deeper, more um, in-depth relationship with the Holy Spirit, then this is the prayer you want to agree with today. Let's pray. Father, today we just come simply. Thank you for your word that speaks to us. And God, today, I just want to say thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit to live in us, to commune with us, to reveal to us the very heart of God and the thoughts of God. God, we thank you for your word today, but Lord, also, we thank you that there's a fresh word for us, a rhema word for us that comes from the Holy Spirit. As we allow you, Holy Spirit, to commune and to speak to us and to reveal things about these burdens that we have and and to even reveal God's perspective of those burdens. So right now in this moment, I just say to you, Holy Spirit, I invite you to a deeper, a greater communion, a more meaningful relationship, just a day-to-day walking it out with you, Lord, that I can talk to you, have access to you any moment of any day. But then I also have those watchtower times to just commune and be with you in your presence where you bring your comfort. You bring your encouragement as we face difficult times. So thank you for that, Lord Jesus. I give you my heart today. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said, amen. We're going to close with a great song of worship that just puts a stamp on this message this morning. And as we do, we're going to give our tithes and offerings or turn in your communication card. But just really connect with the Holy Spirit through this song. Okay? Let's worship.